Hello and welcome to Small Biz Pod on Thursday, the 12th of May. Today's show includes an interview on sales with one of the UK's leading management gurus, Richard Denny, author of Selling to Win, a book that uh, many of you will be familiar with. The show also includes uh, a welcome return uh, by popular demand for the Small Biz Pod news section. But first, let me uh, go into a a couple of comments and and thank yous this week. Uh, Firstly, thanks to uh, Elizabeth Lewin of Podcasting News, who emailed me uh, yesterday to say in her email, just wanted to drop you a note and say that as podcast people, or should that be pod people, uh, and as small business people, we've been really enjoying your podcasts. Thanks for including a link to us on your site. Uh, Anyone who links to us... Uh, and Knitcast, one of my favourites, in their featured podcast list, has got to be all right in my book. Uh, so many thanks, uh, Elizabeth, for that comment. Um, Pod People sounds a little bit sci-fi to me, but uh, I quite like it. Um, reminds me of the the Blugcast, which, uh, if you've never listened to it, is one of the most entertaining uh, UK podcasts on technology, um, hosted by two aliens. Anyway, enough of that. Um, Also, a big thank you to uh, Neville Hobson, who, with Shell Holtz, hosts for Immediate Release, which uh, is a consistently fascinating and high-quality podcast on how technology interfaces with PR and communications. Uh, Neville very kindly mentioned Small Biz Pod in an interesting article on uh, the potential business benefits of podcasting, uh, that featured not only on his own blog at www.nevon.net, uh, but also in uh, WebPro News, which, again, many of you will be familiar with. Um, as ever, I, I really appreciate any comments or, or input from listeners, so uh, it would be really great to, to hear some comments emailed in as MP3 files, which I'd be most happy to, to broadcast. Uh, So if you'd like to take the plunge and would like to highlight an interesting small business news item or comment on one of the interviews on Small Biz Pod, please feel free to drop me an email with an MP3 attachment at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk. Right, the theme of today's uh, Small Biz Pod is selling, an absolute prerequisite, of course, for any uh, successful business. Uh, whether you consider selling an art or a, a science or, or even an embarrassment, there's no getting away from its importance. Uh, but nevertheless, effective selling is something that, that businesses large and small so often have uh, difficulty with. Uh, so to help it guide us through some of the issues facing any startup or, or SME when it comes to maximising sales, uh, I'm delighted to welcome today uh, Richard Denny, who, as many of you will know, is a, a sales and a management guru known around the world for his, uh, his clear practical books um, on a, a range of issues, including uh, Selling to Win, uh, Motivate to Win, and um, Speak for Yourself. So, Richard, welcome to the show. Hi. Um, let's begin with uh, just asking you a little bit about, about your background. I, I know that people will be familiar with your books, but, but tell us a little bit about Richard Denny and how you, you came to become, um, I, I guess, a, a, one of the world's experts on, on selling. 
let's start off at the end and then we'll go back to the beginning. My current work is very much um, helping companies and people in developing the skills of winning business. And so I, apart from my own work of going around and speaking at conferences and seminars and uh, workshops and masterclasses, I have a team of trainers that support me as well. And that's my current yep. work. I'm very much uh, unqualified to do that, other than um, I have shredded the T-shirts over the years. <laughs> so I started off by, uh, my, my working life was in agriculture, and I started off by selling eggs, uh, dairy, uh, contest to that, and then from then on into a whole range of farm foods. From that, I went into marketing and selling detergents, um, both domestically and commercially. From that, I went to the Middle East and sold steel, Yugoslavian lamb, Greek cement, and British chicken. <laughs> okay. From that, I started to import electronic watches and calculators. And it was during this time that I started to realize more than anything else, apart from having a good product to sell and the passion to believe in that product, um, the personal development, attitude, and positive thinking were absolutely paramount. And so I linked those together. And then it went on into me, um, one or two colleagues of mine, forming our first training company. And then from there we are today where um, my job is as chairman of the Richard Denny Group, helping people to develop these skills. Um, my impression and, and talking to, to small business owners and, and particularly startups, uh, one of the areas that is always... Um, considered for many the the most challenging is selling, as I as I said in the introduction piece. So so why do you think it is that that small business owners and startups so often find selling so difficult? I think it's the fear of rejection, the fear of the no, and possibly also uh, um, an inbuilt fear of really what selling is. It's something that perhaps they feel they aren't able to do. You know, in our sort of British culture, we don't hold salespeople in high esteem, um, mainly because um, a lot of them have a reputation that is not really conducive to that high esteem. And we have this epitome of the foot in the door or the, uh, the home double-gazing type salesperson. Yet, if we think about it, nothing happens anywhere in the world until a sale takes place. And the seller, of course, brings in the money that everybody else can eventually live off. So it is a terribly important activity. But for SMEs and for small people who start their business off, they have an enthusiasm of their product or of their service they want to put out into the marketplace. And then comes the job of getting somebody to purchase that service or that product. And this is the first difficulty, is that people are unable to distinguish between marketing and selling. And they are two very distinct activities. And selling is what we're obviously going to be talking about today, but we have to bring in and understand what marketing really is. Marketing is the creation of the, of the product literature. It's the image of the company, the image of the, of, of the product. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's the public relations. It's the packaging design. It's the lead generation. It's um, uh, finding the people who we're actually going to um, sell to. Selling only kicks in when we are face-to-face. -face. Yes, there is a certain amount of selling that, of course, takes place on the back of the literature, but that is minimal. Selling only kicks in when we are face-to-face. -face. So to answer your question, yes, um, there is a fear there. It is something people have great difficulty with, primarily because they haven't been taught how to do it. 
And once one understands what selling is, is it is terribly simple and incredibly easy to do and a lot of fun. And of course it really is as, as old as the hills, really, isn't it? I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, a, a profession that has, um, has, has been around ever since people have traded. Well, it's, it's lovely for you to say that. Uh, it's because not many people would call selling a profession. I most certainly do. I'm not going to link it alongside the oldest no. profession, but there <laughs> we go. We can all take humor from that one. But as far as I'm concerned, the person who is going to be involved in selling is such a crucial pers- uh, part of any business. Let's also accept, um, Alex, from, again, your uh, listener's point of view, the two major reasons businesses go bust from the startup point of view, and they don't survive. Number one is because they don't, won't, or don't know how to sell their products or services. The second biggest reason is they don't get paid on time and don't watch the cash flow and get the money in. Yeah. Yeah. So my work is very much helping everybody to overcome those two areas. But if we look at the selling point, it is so important that we can and do sell correctly and easily. Which brings me on to the point that, obviously, any business knows that they've got to sell their products or services. But many, particularly uh, smaller businesses that are starting out, as you say, won't necessarily have received the, the knowledge or, or, or the training to allow them to do that most efficiently. Um, what is it that you find are the most common mistakes that people make when they are trying to sell a product or a service? Terribly easy for me to answer that, Alex. The biggest single mistake that um, people who haven't been skilled on selling, or even those who have been around for years and still think they're selling well, the biggest mistake of all is that they talk too much. The old-fashioned, what is called tell and sell. People believe that in order to be any good at selling, they've got to have this sort of gift of the gab. They've got to sort of in the old-fashioned terminology, even learn a sales spiel, have the sales patter. It's all out-of-date, utter and complete rubbish. And for, again, your listeners, for people who really want to make success, success of their business and want to build and make good profits, you've got to talk less and listen more. And the most important selling skill of all time today is the skill of asking the right questions. It is not telling. So when a person gets in front of a prospective customer and wants to tell them about their product or service, the stages are, which I won't take you through the stages, but then comes the stage of actually finding out about the other person, finding out what their needs, what their requirements are. Let's find out where there is something that we might be able to help them or provide our product, our service that could solve a problem that they may be currently having. And that only comes from asking the right question. And indeed, um, only that way you're going to be able to understand the benefits to the potential customer that your service provides. Absolutely, of course, Alex. It, it comes in the point of view that your product or service is able to provide a solution to something rather. Whether you're selling a lawnmower that's going to cut the grass, is that lawnmower going to cut the grass in stripes, or is it not going to cut the grass in stripes? Yeah. Whether it's a, a computer, um, is it going to do the job that that person wants? Maybe it's a, a suit of clothes, Whatever it may be, we have to find out what the person's requirements are, and then we try and match up the product or service that we're selling to those requirements. 
but don't go and try and sell a lawnmower to somebody who's only got a, 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 a paved patio, yeah. Yeah. for goodness yeah. sake. Yeah. You've got to find out where they've got a need with the lawnmower first. Yeah, of I mean, I think that's something that's um, increasingly important and being identified as uh, uh, absolutely key um, uh, as consumers, uh, whether they're businesses or whether they're you know the, the man and woman in the street. Um, become perhaps slightly more savvy or cynical or however you'd want to describe it, um, identifying the people um, that are going to be receptive to your product or service is, is surely a, an absolute must in the first instance. And this is often where marketing then kicks in because you then create your customer profile. Who would our product or service be suitable for? So let's get a very clear understanding of that potential customer and their profile and where they are. And again, if I was running through a whole session on helping your people to make great profits, look within a, certainly from an SME's point of view, look from an immediate vicinity. One of the mistakes that too many SMEs make is they try and go farther afield, they spread themselves too widely, and they then cannot use their marketing budget effectively uh, in order to win the business that they could have literally within maybe a quarter of a mile from their, from their premises. Yeah. Okay. Um, obviously, listening, you've pointed out, is one of the, 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 the key aspects which, to the layman, as it were, the, the non-expert salesperson, might not be such an obvious uh, key element to the, to the process. Obviously, there, you, you know, you've written books on the subject, so there's a, there's a lot to cover. But just uh, there are perhaps you know, three or four other key things that people should bear in mind when they're, when they're selling. Yeah, okay, well, let me tell you, there's a little saying that we try and get people to understand when we're helping them to start the process of being absolutely brilliant at selling, is to understand that people buy people first. Yeah. And you and I, whenever we go to a shop or somebody comes in to sell us something, we assess that person. So a good salesperson has got to understand how to sell themselves. Now, we obviously haven't got time on this particular program to go through the details of how to sell, um, how, to, how, how one actually sells oneself, but it's a very, very important activity. Yep. Because if the person doesn't buy the seller, takes a dislike to them, however good the product or service is, um, they're going to be having it very difficult to create a, a sale in that instance there. So that is one aspect. The second aspect is very important is don't sell the product, sell the result of what it will do. Yeah. You know, um, people try and sell, sell the, 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 the computer. Don't sell the computer, sell what that computer will do. Don't sell the chair, sell the comfort of sitting in that chair or the pleasure of having that chair in your living room and, and the ambience it creates. Yeah. One that's got to be very, very important to sell the result. So much of product literature that SMEs create when they get into starting their business up is all about selling the product or the service. No, no, sell the result of that product or service. Yeah, okay. Obviously, I guess you would, you would hold that it's possible to, to, to train people to be good salesmen, but isn't it true that there are, there are, there are salespeople who are just sort of born to it and are naturals? Alex, yes, of course there are. There are some natural-born artists. There are some natural-born musicians. Yeah. They are the superstars of every profession who are born with those genes. The vast majority of us mere mortals can be pretty darn good if we, t if we take the lessons to learn how to do it. Yes, you can be a good a painter if you take the lessons and learn how to do it. You may not be uh, a Michelangelo. Of course not. 
or uh, any of the famous uh, artists that one may choose, or one of the great musicians, but you can be pretty darn good if you learn the lessons. So my reply is always, it depends on if you want to be good at selling. Do you really want to make money at your business? Yeah, it's a powerful, powerful argument that I'm sure listeners uh, will appreciate. Um, on that front, one of the, I guess, the what is perceived by many as the hardest thing to do is what's traditionally known as cold calling. Isn't there a danger that uh, in, in cold calling that you, you stand a chance of alienating as many prospects as you are converting them to customers? You're absolutely right. In most cases, it's completely out of date and it's not cost effective. Yeah. And more and more, that all the businesses we're working with in helping them to develop their, their, their customer profile and to make sure their marketing activity is right with the cost, and again, with, again, many of our clients are employing big teams of salespeople. It is just not cost effective for um, a salesperson who may be costing 30000 or 40000 pounds a year to be cold calling. Their time is better spent talking to a decision maker. So one has to have more sophisticated ways of getting in front or speaking to a potential customer other than just the old-fashioned cold call, which could be going out knocking on doors, Waste of time, waste of effort, absolutely, not recommended by me. Picking up the telephone, most cases, again, very, very difficult to get through to the decision maker. There are other, much more effective ways of being, talking, of being able to talk to the person you want to talk to. And I guess from a, certainly a smaller business's point of view, who may not have the, the kind of resources to uh, pull in tailored lists of prospects or they may not have the resources to 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 do um I- incredibly detailed uh research of their market although they they should be doing doing that at, at, at least at some level um i guess networking is a is a key element in identifying potential people who are going to be receptive to your to your product or service yeah, networking, of course, is great to meet people and chat to them, make them aware, always carry a business card, look for every opportunity. But, you know, even just starting off, it's not difficult to get a list of 20 potential customers, you know, if you're business to business, and then make an approach to them. That could be with a, a very soft, gentle letter. Yeah. For example, I teach people how to write that letter. It shouldn't be long letters. Long business letters are a waste of time. If you're going to get, introduce yourself prior to making a phone call, which is a super way of making contact with someone, Somebody, send a very short letter out, two or three lines, two or three lines, two or three paragraphs, and say that you'll be giving them a call. Uh, that now no longer is a cold call; it is a soft, more warm call. Highly acceptable, very easy to do, very cost-effective. These things any small business can do. I don't care; they're just starting off with a very limited budget. Yes, you can do all of these things. It doesn't have to be big, big money that you're throwing at it. Yeah. Okay. Um, now. Obviously, over the last decade, I guess, um, the, the internet has become a, a, a huge uh, tool for businesses of all sizes, although it's arguable that uh, whether or not some of the, the websites in particular that are out there are, are particularly effective, either from a, a sales point of view or from any other point of view. Um, but how does, that, how does the new technology feature in terms of um, ability to... To, to, to contact customers, to, to sell to customers. I mean, for example, what, what are your views, Richard, on emailing people? Obviously, you have to be a little bit careful that it's not unsolicited, but if you, if you have a, a contact list, um, is email a good, good way of, of, of keeping prospects warm and potentially receptive? 
Yeah, of course it is, and it, particularly your own customers. And looking after the, once you get a customer, the theme, again, from everybody in business, having got a customer, look after the customer so well that you make that, that customer your ambassador and your salesperson. Yeah. Because yeah. so, they could recommend you on. And then that's something, again, we're so bad at in Britain. We don't really customer care properly or effectively. In most cases, most businesses haven't even a clue what it really means. And, and uh, it's a wonderful opportunity. And again, for all business people today, starting off, really get your brain around this and understand it. It will make you a heap of money. But to go back to your question, yes, email, is it, can it be used? Yes, it can be used. Got to be used wisely. Got to be used caringly. Got to be targeted to the right person. Um, and keeping your own uh, prospects or your own customers informed of new products or services, very, very important. I think um, I'm not a great uh, fan at the moment of, again, the cold email. I think it can be a little bit dangerous because email is becoming a bit of a plague right now yeah. in much as because, as we all know, it's becoming the world's biggest time waste. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. A fax could be often more effective. Yeah, okay, fine. Obviously, I started out by, by suggesting that, you know, I mean, selling is a, a profession that, that's been around for a very, very long time. But how is it evolving? Are there techniques that are evolving? Or, or when it comes down to it, is the absolute sort of core elements, are, are they going to be immutable? Or, or, or are things developing and evolving as consumers' attitudes change, as technology changes? What do, you, do you have any views, Richard, on, on that? Yes, I do. And I think it's a very, very good point you're raising there, Alex, because I look back over my life in selling, and I'm, I'm personally selling every day of my life, either in some form, in my the various business interests. Um, I'm involved in sales meetings and sales presentations. A lot of what I'm doing now is very different when I first started out in selling yeah. um, years ago. So, yes, things have changed. I, I personally have difficulty when one talks about technique, because it almost implies that you're trying to make somebody buy something they don't mm. want or don't need. And that is not good business practice. It is not the practice of the modern professional seller. So though we both use the word technique, let's take it in its context. Really is, is perhaps are we looking at better practice of selling yeah. rather than technique? And I think, yes, there is. A lot of things have changed. I start off by saying the tell and sell is out of date. We, these days we talk about relationship selling, um, consultative selling, all those areas. I think we spend a bit more time trying to get to know the other person and trying to find out what it is uh, they want. We look at the long-term process, you know, as against um, going in and making a sale and that's the end of it. Most businesses really want to get the repeat business rather than just the one sale. Okay, fantastic. I mean, there's obviously a lot to talk about there, Richard, but uh, I think that's probably a, a good place to conclude our interview today. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Okay, Alex, lovely to speak to you. hope that was helpful. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, let's now move on to some small business and enterprise news for the week. Uh, the UK business insurance company More Than has this week issued uh, an interesting report that says that the UK is not so much driven by entrepreneurs, uh, but by what it has dubbed as alterpreneurs. So what are these alterpreneurs, uh, according to More Than? Well, alterpreneurs, it seems, are small business owner managers who went into business for lifestyle reasons, and as an alternative to the 
nine to five of a traditional job and, and the one size fits all uh, lifestyle that goes with it. So they're not motivated primarily by money or career. Instead, they see running a business as an opportunity to have greater control over their lives and to be happier. Um, according to the research, alterpreneurs run up to 70% of Britain's micro-businesses, that's businesses with fewer than uh, five employees. Um, so as such, they control a significant proportion of Britain's economy, more than estimates that they run approximately two million micro-businesses in total. They create more than £2 billion in annual revenues. Uh, and they employ over 3 million people. It's certainly an, an interesting concept and one that I certainly identify with having uh, escaped the 9 to 5 lifestyle to uh, run Small Biz Pod and also my own uh, PR business. Uh, of course I now work longer hours but uh, generally on my terms and I certainly spend more time with my family too. So interesting, entrepreneurs, uh, perhaps a new word has been coined. Moving on, the British Library uh, has received from the London Development Agency, uh, the Mayor of London's Agency for Business and Jobs, um, £1 million to transform its business and intellectual property centre from a successful pilot project to a permanent resource. Uh, it's quite an interesting development since the, the centre offers arguably the, the largest collection of market research reports in the world. Uh, free access to online subscription databases uh, and access to the library's extensive intellectual property resources. So uh, I guess uh, their collection of, of 50 million odd patents, for example. Um, the library is clearly targeting the service at, at SMEs, entrepreneurs and innovators, um, including, according to uh, the London Development Agency, uh, Black and ethnic minority businesses and businesses led by women and those with disabilities. So a, a clearly a, a potentially extremely useful resource for businesses in London and indeed beyond. Moving on to some international news now, um, some interesting statistics on US small business confidence are featured in the recently released Interland Spring 2005 Business Barometer. Uh, the survey reveals that the top three threats as perceived by U.S. small businesses are rising inflation, the current trade deficit and the collapse in the dollar's value, and also energy and other uh, supply shortages. Middle East terrorism was only seen as a concern by 11% of the 1,032 uh, U.S. small business owners interviewed. Uh, more alarmingly, the social security system was seen as in crisis by 43% of respondents, presumably amid concerns about the uh, burden on small businesses imposed by the U.S. healthcare system. Uh, the big news, I guess, in the U.K. this week was that the European Parliament uh, voted to abolish in 2008 the UK's exemption from the Working Time Directive, which introduces a maximum 48-hour working week for employees. Now, although white-collar workers and others may choose to work longer hours, there are concerns that 
imposing what in essence is a, a better work-life balance on individuals may not be quite as welcome as many would anticipate. Certainly in France, uh, where a 35-hour working week has been imposed, there are some serious concerns about its impact on the uh, competitiveness of French business. I think, however, we can probably expect an ongoing debate uh, on this issue in Europe, probably between the Parliament and the Commission, who I think have conflicting views on the benefits of the Working Time Directive. And it seems to me at least unlikely that the UK will be forced into a corner on this issue, uh, but it's definitely one to watch. Finally, um, a slightly amusing story really, uh, from the Department of Trade and Industry in the UK. Uh, it's possibly the fastest rebranding and then re-rebranding ever seen in UK public life. Um, the Department of Trade and Industry was swiftly renamed the Department of Productivity, Energy and Industry after Labour's election victory last week. Uh, but it's set to retain its original title now. Officials who I spoke to this afternoon noted that the cost of rebranding helped change the politicians' minds on the need for a name change. Uh, you kind of hope that they'd have anticipated that uh, before announcing the change in the first instance. But there we go. So that just about wraps it up for the show today. Uh, again, as I mentioned at the outset, very, very keen and delighted to hear any of your comments. So please visit the website at www.smallbizpod.co.uk to email or, or, or leave comments there on the blog. Uh, which brings us on to music for this week. Uh, I'm delighted to offer up for your uh, oral delectation this week uh, a little bit of drum and bass, uh, just to get you uh, rolling in the aisle, so to speak. Uh, this one could almost be dedicated to bloggers. It's uh, a track called Six Weeks, Four Days and No Content by a band or an individual called Conden Cuatas Tienas. <laughs> 